0: Welcome to the Future of Field Service podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Nacastro. Today, we're going to be talking about how Munters is addressing today and tomorrow's business needs, discussing how they're juggling the complexity of our current situation with some long term goals they have to move towards servitization. I'm happy to be here today with Rule Rentmeesters, Director of Global Customer Service at Munters. Rule, welcome to the Future of Field Service podcast. Thank you for being with us. Hi, Sarah. So can we start by, can you just tell our listeners a bit about Munter's business, about your role and, and anything you want to share about yourself?
1: Sure. So I work for Munter's. It's a Swedish company. Um, we are a leader in energy efficient and sustainable air treatment solutions. So that's about humidification, dehumidification, cooling, heating, etc. Et uh, it's mainly towards industrial and ar- ar- agricultural sectors. sectors. Um. We were founded in 1955, uh, we have like 3,200 employees worldwide, um, and it's a company with about 7.1 billion uh, net sales. Um, myself, I'm Rule Rentmeisters, I'm Global Customer Service Director. Um, in my role, I take care of all the technology, the processes, the tools, uh, and the people in order to, inside the global services organization. So really the services parts and how we can mature our organization.
0: Perfect, perfect. Now, prior to COVID-19 hitting, um, you had a very pragmatic roadmap in place to move the company from more of a traditional service approach to outcomes-based service. So before we dive into, you know, how you started to tackle the challenges that have come up, You know, let's talk about your overall recognition of sort of where the industry is heading and how Munters, you know, needs to evolve as servitization takes hold.
1: Yeah, it's a a very good point. So we are a real uh, manufacturing company. So we have plants all over the world where we create our devices and we were a product seller. Uh, That was our our basis. Um, But the market is changing. The market is demanding that we offer more than just a product. And the services that we were delivering around our products were mainly on-site visits, the commissioning, maintenance we do on the devices, break and fix uh, to fix, et cetera. Um, But our customers want more. Um, And servitization is actually exactly the route we are going into. It makes that we need to think about ourselves. We need to look into the way we have been delivering service, the way our service organizations are organized, the processes we have, the technology we're currently using. And so, in that roadmap, we were looking into new technologies to help us in this servitization, and that's where I was looking into remote uh, assistance, um, mm-hmm. which could be the next level from on-site pure on-site visits. Huh? Um, so that mm-hmm. I think this solution is something that could help us in this, in this journey.
0: Absolutely, and I, and I think it's just important to acknowledge um, both to acknowledge the the insight that Munters has had um, and, and the recognition of the shift towards servitization, um, just for the sake of giving the company credit for, for having that recognition. But it's also important for our audience to understand, you know, in the context of today's story, both discussing how you're handling, um, you know, the, the challenges of the pandemic but also how that sets you up, essentially, to um, to further your goals toward servitization, which you had already, you know, identified as the journey that, that you were on before everything changed. Um, so that's correct. It's just it's just important because I think that you know more and more companies are. Um, on a continuum, if you will, of recognizing that that is the future of, of service and, and and you know, the future for manufacturing organizations um, and, and determining how to get there, right? It's not something you can, you know, better than I do. It's not something you can snap your fingers and accomplish. It, it is more of that pragmatic roadmap. You know, there's this This ultimate goal, but there's a lot that goes into getting there, both from the process standpoint, the business model, the technology adoption. And and so you were on this journey, and then COVID-19 struck, and and that has changed everything for everyone and every business. Um, And and Munters reacted very quickly uh, to deploy remote assistance technology to help you, you know, in, in the in the near term, to help you react to these new circumstances and and to really promote business continuity, um, and and then we'll talk later about how it also helps you toward that that more ultimate goal. So let's talk about a couple of different points. First, how has COVID nineteen impacted Munter's operations? It has a huge impact.
1: I don't think we could foresee it how big an impact would be. As it started off in in China, we could see that our local organizations in China had to adopt very quickly to that situation. Um, So they had to implement their measures and then you could see that lockdowns were coming. uh, Our technicians could no longer visit our customers. Customers were a little reluctant to invite foreigners on their premises, on their sites. Um, And so very quickly, the, the local organization in China had to see how they could respond to that. And they already started looking into, can we do something remote? Can we call our customers? And so as soon as it started hitting Europe and it became very ob- obvious in, in Italy with a, with a very uh, fast increase, I was in Italy at the time when it started uh, together with our president, uh, Peter Giesel. Um, and, and so we, we saw it coming. We saw that um, our technicians were in, in their homes, not being able to go out anymore. Customers not being able to be visited anymore, and so we needed a fast, fast reaction, a fast response to that.
0: Yes, and and I think that it's also important to note that quick recognition of of the circumstances, and then you know the um the the way that Munter's was able to to act fast to to address that. You know, you you didn't wait too long or think too hard about um what to do next, right? So. And part of that, as you had mentioned, is you were already looking into remote assistance as an aspect of you know the the path to servitization. Um, so so you had some some knowledge of the technology. It was something that you knew you would you would um, probably deploy at some point. But when and how did you sort of recognize that prioritizing that specific tool would help immensely in this time?
1: It was actually when we were in Italy, yeah. So when, when my own technicians in Italy were at home, could not move out anymore, um, and our customers were still asking, yeah, but um, we have critical operations. We are working in pharmaceutical companies and yeah. you know, hospitals, et cetera. And so we, we still needed to make sure that our equipment is up and running. And mm-hmm. when there was an intervention required, that we could do that as much as possible remotely. So Italy was our first country to uh, implement this. Uh, with a success, I would say, during a test uh, phase. Um, and it was it was both from a customer perspective and a technician perspective, they really liked the solution. Um, it provided us that, we, it made that we could not only react to customers, but also proactively re- respond to customers or towards our customers by offering them visual inspections, um, by offering them uh, to, to help us come to a solution or a proper type.
0: Okay, good. And, and so for, for those that maybe aren't familiar, let's talk a little, ba- a little bit about remote assistance. So, um, you know, let's, let's talk about some of the specifics about what, how does the technology work? What does it enable? Um, and, and how were you able to move from that recognition of, boy, this would really, really help us right now to putting it in place?
1: Yeah, so, so I, I saw it a couple of years ago for the first time when I was in some field conferences uh, in Amsterdam, et cetera. And I really started liking it when I was in Boston at the IFS conference. Um, there I could see an integrated solution where from your field service management system, you could perform such a, a connection. So calling your customer, offering him to use their device to see what they are seeing and even to merge reality, intervene in what a customer is seeing, so to guide him, etc. cetera. Um, I started liking that in, in Boston, so I put it on my roadmap for 2020 to be implemented. And so the way it works is really, really very intuitive. You make a connection to the remote device of your customer, could be a tablet, could be a mobile phone, as long as it has a camera. Uh, you send him a text message, him or her, uh, that he needs to accept. And so that's the way you establish the connection. There's no app that needs to be installed from the customer's side. Um, so it's it's open to everybody. The customer can accept it or decline it as he wants it. And so what happens is that two video streams, the one from the customer device, what he sees, and the one from your own device with your own camera that you can connect to your desktop or, or your own tablet, etc. they mix the two uh, video streams. And it makes that you can use your hands or you can use tools to show the customer what he should be doing so you can really guide the customer as if you're standing next to the customer it's really Mm -hmm. intuitive uh, easy to use uh, good connection good quality good video good sound Um, so it's really really good
0: good and so i think the user interface is a really important point, um, but the other thing that I think is 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 really um, important to mention about this story is is how quickly you were able to bring this to market. So, can you talk a bit about the the time frame from recognition that this would be very helpful right now to piloting to to the deployment?
1: Yeah, so so we saw it in in, uh, in in October that we would use this in the future. We didn't think it would be very broad. In the first instance, we were thinking of using it mostly internally first, um, where expert technicians could guide younger technicians that would be out in the field. Um, and so to start with a small scale and then build it up as we see that our technicians are getting used to it, uh, and then we can go to the market with this with this model. Um, but as COVID was hitting us we started larger possibilities. So um, I contacted IFS on around the 6th of March to check with them um, if I could get some test licenses already. Um, And when I said some test licenses, I don't mean one or two. Um, I wanted my entire field force in Italy, which is five people and then quickly followed by Spain, to be able to test it live in their environment. Um, And so for about two weeks, so that afterwards I could up with a report to say yes I like the solution it's feasible it suits our needs Uh, and then I can do a deployment so IFS responded very quickly with this we got 30 licenses that we could use for two weeks um, to to test to to test the solution and after two weeks we signed up we signed up for 200 licenses and within two weeks we deployed those 200 licenses so now we have 23 countries live 200 technicians that are using the solution and we are also looking into other departments like R&D and operations or so factories, how we can support them because the travel ban is not just for our technicians going to our customers. It is also for our internal people not being able to travel to other plants, et cetera. So we're now Absolutely. using the solution beyond field service.
0: Yeah, so there's there's two really important points there. I mean, the, the first is, you know, I think for a technology to have um, relevance in, in our current situation, you know, the time to value needs to be pretty fast, right. Um, You know, something that, that is going to take months um, months to deploy or, or involve some, some really complex training, you know, is just not going to hold much appeal right now because everyone needs help um, in, in the immediate term term. Right. So, um, I, that's an important point. And, and the other point you brought up, um, I think, is important to um, emphasize as well, which is, you know, the title of this podcast is obviously Future of Field Service. And, and um, you know, we're talking about how this technology is used by the field technicians to allow them to continue to service customers remotely. Um, but to your point that, you know, there are are Many applications for something like remote assistance. Um, you know, I know when you and I spoke last, we had discussed the fact that you were putting a new production line uh, into operation at, at one of your manufacturing facilities, um, and the idea came up of of using this since you can't send experts on site to um, to assist with that process. You know, using this as a way for them to essentially be there without without being there. Um, and, and you also mentioned R and D, so. Uh, I, I just wanted to point out for our listeners, you know, field services is obviously the bread and butter of what we do, but there are a lot of applications for this within manufacturing and, um, you know, even beyond. Um, so I, I do want to touch real quick on, on that. Um, I, I know that your field technicians are are using uh, the remote assistance tool with the devices that they had already had in use Um I think you were looking at smart glasses for use within the manufacturing aspect, is that correct?
1: Yeah, so we started it there to test it because when you produce a machine, it's big machines, you need your two hands to work. Field technicians eventually will also need their two hands. The solution allows you to use a camera, but it means that you will have to hold that camera. Um, If you use your smartphone or your tablet, you're holding it, so one hand is taken. We checked if we could use smart glasses, and there is a, a good solution for that. Um, there's multiple smart glasses that can be used with this solution, um, and we tested it in Czech Republic, and it works really well. So it's a, it's a high definition glasses. There's a camera attached to it. We even with pocket lights attached to it, a little screen, um, and so this solution is uh, installed on the smart glasses. So somebody is remotely connecting to the smart glasses and you can see everything that the person is seeing using those glasses. Uh, And he sees what you want him to do. So you the guidance with the hands and the tools uh, he can see on a small, small monitor. So it's it's a brilliant solution.
0: Good, good. Um, So I think it's really important to drive the point home of how much of an impact acting quickly and nimbly has made. Um, Can you talk a little bit about how this was made possible at Munters. I know, you know, this is a, a, an area that a lot of companies struggle with, um, even prior to the current situation, you know, is just being agile and, and acting, you know, smartly, but quickly um, to take action on, on opportunities. So um, how, how were you able to do that at Munters?
1: I think it's it's twofold. The fact that it is a solution that is really not just for today, but also for tomorrow, um, that helps. If you have a president who has vision and knows that new technologies is what can help you in the future and and move on, Um, when you connect the two dots by saying an immediate need as well as a future need and a solution that answers to both, he was the one who actually drove me to go faster, much faster. And so it means that you, you, you need somebody who knows what it is and can bring it inside a company. And you need your sponsors on executive level that can say, yes, and immediate lead, go. And that is, I think, what was the, the luck. I got a, a, a little joke that sent to me uh, that said, what made you that you could implement new technologies, was it your CEO, was it your CTO, your CIO, or was it the C from COVID? Actually, in this case, it helped.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. Um, but I wanna go back to what you said, which is the fact that it helps now and later, right? So, you know, none of us can predict um, when or how the recovery from, from this pandemic will begin. Um, but. But whenever and however it does, this tool is something that can evolve from, you know, something you're using now for business continuity and and something that's enable you to continue to to serve your customers um, in in this crisis, to something that will help set the stage for your servitization success. So, can you talk a little bit about? You know, I, I, we're not trying to predict the future here, but, but whenever that recovery begins, um, how do you see the, the use of this technology evolving?
1: Yeah, we need to go into outcome-based service. For us, that's clear. Huh? Um, it means that, that what you sell around your box, maybe with a leasing concept, um, could mean that if you guarantee uptimes, 99% humidity at this level uh, all the time, It means that if ever something would happen, you need to be able to respond very, very quickly, and as efficiently as possible. Not just from a cost perspective, but also from a speed perspective. And so, I strongly believe that this technology will help us in this outcome-based future, um, where we can involve the customer into our solution. Uh, We can learn ourselves from this solution. Um, We can use it internally to in, in an effective way by hiring technicians that can be supported remotely, whilst now we may have to send two technicians, I can see that we will be able to reduce our travel costs um, because we can use it internally without having to take flights, et cetera. So Mm -hmm. this is something that will help us uh, in our efficiency and effectiveness. And it will also allow us in our net sales because it allows us to create new offerings that we currently can't offer.
0: Yes, absolutely, and and having that vision um, is is really important to setting the stage for your future success. So even though we we don't know, you know, when all of those things will become feasible or or possible, um, you know, given the current circumstances, you know, uh, it's just it's impressive that you guys have recognized the need to act fast and and deploy a, a tool that can help you survive this time. But that will also set you up for the next phase of of service success within the organization once we start to rebound. So, I know it's really difficult for a lot of companies that are navigating this this challenge to think ahead. You know, I mean, it's really hard when you're faced with the burden of of the crisis um, and determining how to how to best manage manage it. To also think about how to prepare for Whenever and however we come out of it, but it is important, I think, to try and balance that perspective because, you know, um, when whenever that rebound does happen, you know, there is going to be a lot of demand and and things will have changed and companies will need to be prepared to to act fast. And you know, it's um, it's really good that that you guys are are keeping that balanced view of you know how do we use this right now to help us. Um, Keep our our business going, but how do we how do we see this evolving to something that will help us um, meet the demand of, of the rebound and grow into you know the servitization journey? So yeah. definitely um, commend you and and Munter's leadership for having that vision and working so hard to to manage both the now and uh, the future. Um, Thank you. I wanted to talk. Yeah, of course. Uh, I wanted to talk just quickly about, um, you know, you and I, uh, have, have talked a couple of times about, you know, what Munters is doing right now and, and what the path is going forward. And, And I've been having a number of conversations with other folks in the service community that are, you know, um, facing their own set of challenges presented by, by this crisis. Um, and, and while, you know, it's clear that this entire situation is, is horrific. Um, you know, there's there's always some silver linings to to any storm, right? Um, and and a couple, you know, related to to your story and and other stories that I've I've noted are, you know, I I think that one is just the connection, um, you know, and, and the way that the community is coming together to stay connected, to to stay in touch, to learn from one another. Um, and so just having you make yourself available for, for this conversation on the podcast is, is a part of that. So thank you. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's also, I think interesting, um, in, in a positive way, how this situation is, um, is making companies that maybe weren't so open to change, um, think and act differently, you know, out of necessity, um, because you know whether it's dragging your feet a bit on digital transformation, or or whether it's um, you know uh, just deprioritization, right? I mean, you, you just get wrapped up in the in the current day and, and don't have time to get to the future stuff, or you know whatever it is. I think in many ways the situation is acting as an accelerator for digital transformation for organizations because you know, they, they need those tools to, to continue business. Um, And I think um, the other aspect of that is it's, it's changed how companies have to manage change management. You know, I know that even with remote assistance specifically, we've seen, um, you know some pushback from um, specifically older workers that you know are so used to doing things the way they've always done that they're a bit resistant to a tool like this. Whereas now, you know, employees are are embracing the opportunity to to continue working and continue serving um, their customers, and and so they're you know, welcoming it with open arms rather than um, resisting it. So I'm just curious what you think of those themes, um, if, if you've noticed those or if there are any others that you've picked up on.
1: I actually agree with everything you say. I could, I could see that the journey of servitization is not an easy journey. Planning it, what you want to do, when you want to do it, the investments you need to do to get there, it's not an easy thing to do. Um, this situation made that we had to prioritize maybe stuff that maybe we should we didn't plan to prioritize before. Um, and lucky, lucky we, we did. You can see that now people are working from home. Many people are working from home. Um, and so even companies that don't have a home working policy now had to adapt to it. And it's something that will change, something mm-hmm. that will stay as well. Um, for technicians not being able to go on the streets Towards their customers with their screwdrivers in their hands um, and being used to doing only on-site visits, for them now they also have to adapt. You're absolutely right, but they have. I can see that our technicians they often have a connection with their customer. It's often the same customers they see. They have a uh, they know the, the person on the other side, and now they can't go, so they still need to be able to do that interaction. And the second thing is for us. The finding of technicians is a challenge. it's not easy. everybody wants our type of technicians and they're not thick. so um, older technicians now can serve as mentors can help younger technicians that are not don't have the experience that they have they can guide them a little bit um, and so I can see that that there is an embrace of this technology. I can also see the other thing I can still see. The countries that are less impacted by coronavirus and where our technicians are still free to travel, that there, they still wonder a little bit about this new technology and what it's going to bring for them. Because it is a change in business model. It is a new thing. It is not the same thing. And so um, it will. we are building a service offering around it as well. We are not saying that this technology can replace going on site because we still mm-hmm. need to measure, we still need to do certain things on site that we can't do remote. But it's an add-on to the way we deliver service right now.
0: Absolutely, and and those are really good observations. I, you know, hopefully, um, those situations where you know the technicians um, are still a bit skeptical. You know, some of the folks that are using it and and seeing how it works and, and the simplicity and the value, you know, you can call on them to help um, communicate that um, when, when it, you know, it is the right time. So very good, very good points. Um, And, and so again, you know, I I really appreciate you being here and, and sharing the story. Um, Last question for you is, you know, what advice can you share with, with our, our listeners on, you know, what you've learned from from managing this situation and, and, and maybe anything you can share for, for their consideration.
1: What I would say is um, there is technologies that don't take years to implement. There is things that can go really, really fast. If you have a partner like IFS who listens to you, responds to your needs, is flexible enough to help you test it for a while, etc., cetera, um, you can see that things like this can in in two, good less than a month, two weeks time for the two hundred technicians, you can implement a tool, provide them access, give them the training, develop a uh, uh, an offering around it, and have it work. So um, I would embrace, I would I would encourage people to look into such technologies as well that are not so expensive as you think and very easy to implement with a very big return.
0: Absolutely. Um you know, that in and of itself is a really good point, right? Because I think that um you know, there's there's the whole concept of start where you are and I, and I think sometimes um you know, just based on the conversations I've had with with service leaders, sometimes all of the options, all of the choices are just overwhelming, you know, and, and that can cause a bit of analysis paralysis, right? And and Um, I can see how that could be compounded in a situation like we're in because there's, there's so much extraneous stress that, that typically doesn't even exist. Right. So Mm -hmm. it is a good point that it, you know, it can be difficult to analyze all of the options, but, but it is important to know that there are options that are not overly complex that can really help right now. Mm -hmm. And, and maybe, you know, um, following the example that that munters has provided in in really acting fast and learning as you go and and starting with with a a pretty proven business case and then looking for opportunities within the company to expand on that um you know without kind of over analyzing the need to get going i think is is a good point Um, so it's definitely good advice Really appreciate you, Rule, being here and, and sharing your insights uh, and everything you've learned. So, thank you very, very much. You're welcome. For more insight on how to manage the challenges of, of today's service situation as well as prepare for the future, you can visit us at www.futureoffieldservice.com. You can also find us on LinkedIn and Twitter at the Future of FS. The Future of Field Service podcast is published in partnership with IFS. You can learn more about IFS service management and IFS remote assistance by visiting www.ifs.com. As always, thank you for listening.